Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's Word. If you take this podium thing, this table thing, and you put us in the middle of this, and that's pretty much where we sit, um, put, it, put us in the middle of this whole thing, then all the edges of space is moving away from us at the speed of light. But if you take somebody from the middle of this and you put them over here, the physics of this at this point is that now you're in the center of another circle where all the edges are moving at the speed of light, but that circle is now framed around your point of reference. And so now, the galaxies that I can't see because I'm in the middle right here, if I stick you over on the edge over here, you can see all this now. And then if I take that person, and, or take a person from that area and stick him over here, now he can see all this over here. And so what I'm telling you is that the universe is not measurable. It cannot be measured, and it will never be measured, just like God says right here. So as soon as you can measure the universe, God says, I'll forget my covenant with Israel. So that kind of means that the covenant's gonna last forever, right? Yeah, and again, look at the promise that he made. If heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. Okay, so right now, when you're talking about what's called uh, replacement theology, this is something that I brought up at the very beginning of this, this whole series. Replacement theology is based on the, on the idea that the Jews killed Jesus, and because the Jews killed Jesus, they have failed in their relationship with God, and God has cast them off, and now he's going to give all the promises that he gave to the Jews to the church. What's that say? And what God says there is that's not going to happen until you can measure the universe. Measure the universe, and then I will cast off the seed of Israel for all that they have done. And until that point, that's not gonna happen. So what I'm telling you is it's never happening. And that's the promise that God made. And what's cool about that from my perspective is that is being stated before anybody even knew that there were galaxies. We didn't even know there were galaxies in the late 1800s, all, all the way up into the early, uh, until the mid-20s, 1920s. We didn't know that there were galaxies. We thought that the Milky Way galaxy was the only one in the universe. And so that's, that's how recent all this knowledge is. And so, you know, just kind of cool stuff. In any case, blood covenant and when you get to the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter six, in verses 13 through 18, it says, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. We already read this verse. This is out of Genesis 22, where God says, I swear by myself that because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, 
He says, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. And the two things are the fact that God made the promise and that he gave an oath. And so when God makes, again, this promise to Abraham that I'm gonna give you the land and I'm gonna bless the nations through you, it was an immutable, in other words, it's not changeable. It can't be changed. And so that's the Abrahamic covenant. It's a blood covenant based on the performance of God. Then you have the Mosaic covenant, okay? And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go through this real quick. The, the verses um, will be up on the, up, up on the screen. The Mosaic Covenant was a conditional covenant. It was not just based on God's performance, it was based on the performance of the people of Israel. Okay? And so in that, when you look at Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 8, and Exodus chapter 24, verses 1 through 8, you have the deal of the covenant. And so God comes along and he says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. You're going to be a nation of priests and I'm going to bless you in all these ways. And he goes through and he talks about the blessings that they're gonna have, and he talks about the responsibilities. And your responsibility is to keep my rules, and then he gives them the rules. And in the very next chapter, in chapter 20, he gives the 10 commandments. And it's not just the 10 commandments, there's a, there's a whole bunch of them. There's 603 commandments besides the 10. And so he gives the 10 commandments, and that's their part of the deal. And then what happens is Moses brings out the book of the law and there is a sacrifice made and some of the blood is sprinkled on the, on the book and some of the blood is sprinkled on the people. And this again is a blood covenant, but it's conditional on the performance of the people. Okay? And that means if they break that covenant, that God has the right to put them to death. Follow? And if God breaks the covenant, then we have the right to put him to death. But God's, God's never going to break it. Okay, turn over to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. And what you have here is they start worshiping Bessie the cow. So Moses goes up and he gets the commandments and the people are down in the valley and they're worshiping Bessie the cow and they're getting naked and having all kinds of sexual garbage going on and, and that kind of stuff. And God tells Moses, I'm gonna start over with you, okay? And so this is in Exodus chapter 32 and starting in verse, uh, verse seven, it says, I'm reading a little bit before, and the Lord said to Moses, go get down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made themselves a molded calf and worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and I will make of you a great nation. Okay, now here's what's happening. 
they've broken the covenant. And the deal with that is if they broke the covenant, that they should be put to death. Did Moses break the covenant? No, he didn't. And so what God is saying is, you're the only one who's kept my covenant. And so now I'm going to start over with you. We're gonna get rid of these people because they've broken this covenant and I'm starting with you, Bucky, and off we go, okay? Because he kept the, the Mosaic covenant. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land I have spoken of, give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. See what just happened there? So they've broken the Mosaic covenant. The, the promise that they made was if they broke it, uh, or actually the covenant that they made was that if they broke it, they should be put to death. God comes up and he's gonna collect on this. And when Moses is interceding for the people of Israel, he does two things. He talks about God's glory. The Egyptians are gonna mock you, God, and say that you brought these people out to destroy them. And the second thing he does is he appeals to the Abrahamic covenant, which was unconditional. It was based on God's performance, not the people of Israel. It was unconditional. And God, you said it was forever. And you said it was Abraham's seed that was going to inherit this. And that's when God goes, okay, and what God did was he just forced them into a covenant of grace at that point. Then you go on in verses 29 through chapter 33, verse one, it says, then Moses said, consecrate yourselves today to the Lord that he may bestow on you a blessing this day for every man has opposed his son and his brothers. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now, therefore go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. Then the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And again, what's happening there is the Abrahamic covenant is being referenced. And what God is saying to them is this is why I'm bringing them into the land. So they didn't even make it anywhere near the land of promise before they broke the Mosaic covenant with God and God had the option of wiping them all out. And the only reason that he didn't was because he made an unconditional covenant with Abraham and um, it was based on that, okay? And so the same thing applies, and this is the point that I'm making, the same thing that is taking place right here where they broke the Mosaic covenant is the same thing that takes place when they break the Mosaic covenant again 
by having Messiah killed. And so there's plagues that end up coming down on these people. God deals with these people as far as their sin goes. And so it's not just a wiped out thing. God holds them accountable for the things that they've done. But the promise is still to that nation from this time about four, you know, 1440 BC all the way up until the time of Christ. And that promise still continues from the time of Christ up until today. Because again, it's unconditional. Follow that? Okay, so are you part of the Mosaic Covenant? Were you there? Get any blood sprinkled on you? Are you Jewish? No, you're not any part of the Mosaic Covenant. And so you're gonna run into things where it talks about, for example, in the, in the Ten Commandments. One of the commandments is you're gonna keep the Sabbath day holy. And so that, does that mean that I as a Gentile need to keep the Sabbath day? And there's a principle behind it. We need to honor the Lord in worship and, and that kind of thing. But the Sabbath day was not given to Gentiles. The Sabbath day was given to the people of Israel. And in, in Exodus chapter 31, Moses makes it absolutely clear that this is a sign between God and Israel forever. And again, specifically the children of Israel. And so the Sabbath day is, has never been something that was given to the church. And that's why you see in the New Testament, when they start talking about Sabbaths and that kind of stuff, it's optional. It's not optional to a Jew because it's part of the Mosaic Covenant. But if you want to keep the Sabbath day, Paul says in Romans chapter 14, if you want to exalt one day above another, more power to you. And if you want to consider every day alike, more power to you. You can't say that if you're a Sabbath keeper. Sabbath keeper keeps the Sabbath and it is the greatest day and you're not allowed to say all the other days are like it. You're not allowed to do that. He does the same thing with the food laws in the same passage. And it's because we're not Israel and we're not part of the Mosaic Covenant. So when you're looking at Israel, there's two basic covenants that they've got with the Lord. One is the Mosaic Covenant that is conditional on their performance and the other one is the Abrahamic Covenant that has nothing to do with their performance we come into a relationship with God through the Abrahamic covenant, not the Mosaic covenant, through the Abrahamic covenant, and it's the blessing portion, not the land portion, not the nation portion. It's the blessing portion, and we don't come in through the Mosaic covenant at all. It doesn't have anything to do with us. When you're going through and you're looking, and that doesn't mean that we just dismiss the law, because when God is laying out the law, he's laying out moral standards, and it doesn't matter who we're talking to, God's moral standards are the same for everybody. Follow that? Okay? And so those things are, you know, we're not to, we're not to dishonor our parents. We're not to commit adultery. We're not to murder. Because it doesn't matter if you're under the Mosaic Covenant or not. These are things that God hates. And when you're talking about the Sabbath, even the Sabbath is fulfilled in Christ. He is our Sabbath. He's our rest. We don't work for our own salvation anymore. Jesus did the work. We are resting in him. And so you could, you could do this with a, with a number of issues. You get that? Okay, so there's a major difference between the Mosaic Covenant and the Abrahamic Covenant. The reason that the people of Israel were tossed out of the land, and we went through Deuteronomy 28 through 30 last time, the reason that the people of Israel were tossed out of the land is not because they broke the Abrahamic covenant because they can't. The reason they were tossed out of the land was because they broke the Mosaic covenant. The reason, the reason that they were brought back into the land 
is because of the Abrahamic covenant. The reason that they were tossed out of the land in 70 AD and then again in 132 AD is because they broke the Mosaic covenant. The reason that they're brought back into the land is not because of the Mosaic covenant, it's because of the Abrahamic covenant. And that's how it works with Israel. And the Abrahamic covenant is never going to be nullified. It cannot be nullified. And so that's why they have land and nation and a blessing. That's why they have that. Okay, so there's eschatological implications. By the way, the whole priesthood of believer thing, they said that they didn't want to do that. God said, I want to make you a nation of priests. If you go, when you're reading on your own, go back and read Exodus chapter 19. And he said, I want to make you a kingdom of priests. And what ended up happening was later on, they came to Moses, God appeared on the mountain and they were afraid. Some of the elders went up and, and saw the Lord. They were afraid and they said, Moses, you go talk to the Lord. You, you get all the commandments from him and whatever he says to you, we will do, but we don't wanna go near him, we're afraid. And later on in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter five, it talks about the, the fact that God agreed with them. And that's where you get the Levitical priesthood. Okay, later on they, they have a fit over that and they get dealt with in that situation. That's Korah and Abiram and all those guys. But in any case, you, you have that whole thing. I'm, I'm just giving you a bunch of stuff. The priesthood of believers gets transferred to the church and you have that in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. Okay, and so it calls us a holy nation, a, a holy priesthood, that kind of thing. And, and so we're called, uh, we're all priests of God like God wanted with Israel. Um, okay, so here's the eschatological implications. Eschatological means last day stuff, okay? These are the last day's implication, implications. Number one, seed of Abraham is Israel, okay? I'm gonna take, take you through some verses again. So we're back in Genesis. Genesis chapter seven, or chapter 12, verse seven. Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants I will give this land, Okay? That's the descendants of Abram. In chapter 13, verses 15 and 16, all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. I will make you your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. And again, it's the descendants of Abram. Chapter 15, verse 18, um, on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, I have given this land. And then he gives a description of the land. In chapter 17, verses seven through eight, it says, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and your, in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession and I will be their God. Is that clear? to Abram and to his descendants. And that's what, you, that's what you have in those passages. So, if so, if those promises that God has said to Abraham are true, then the church does not fulfill Israel's promises. And Israel has a future plan, or, or a future in God's plan. Also, Israel has yet to come into possession of the land. They, they have never in history possessed 
all of the promised land that God gave to them. Even under Solomon, they didn't possess it. And so Israel has to come in, into possession of all the land that God promised them because it's in the Abrahamic covenant and nothing else. So it's never happened yet, okay? Next, it has to be from the physical line of Abraham. Chapter 17, verse 19, Abraham is talking to God about Ishmael. You remember Ish, the whole thing with Hagar? He has a slave, Hagar, it's Sarah's handmaiden. They have a baby by her. Abraham goes in and has physical relations with her. They have a child. This is Ishmael. This is where the, the Arabs say their nations came from, okay? And so it's the line of Ishmael. And God tells Abraham in chapter 17, I'm going to give you a child, and the child's coming from Sarah. So before this point, he said, the child is coming from you, Abraham, Abram at that point. And in this passage, Abram says to God in verse 18, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He's feeling bad because Ishmael is going to be abandoned by God, he's thinking. God promises that he's gonna take care of him. But Abram goes, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And basically what, he, what Abram's asking is, can't we fulfill this through my son Ishmael? And in verse 19, God said, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. So it's not just descendants of Abraham, it's, a, it's descendants of Isaac also. And Isaac had two sons, and they are Jacob and Esau. And then later on, God made, makes the covenant with Jacob and not Esau. And that's where you get the 12 sons of Israel or the 12 sons of Jacob. And so it's from the physical line of Abraham through Sarah. When you are talking to somebody who is amillennial, that means that they don't believe in a second coming of Christ where he comes to reign on the earth and fulfill all the promises that were given to Israel. When you're talking to somebody like that, one of the excuses that they make about this is that God never made promises to the seed of Abraham as a race. Well, that's not how I read this. He says, it's your seed, Isaac. Then later on, it's your seed, Jacob. Then later on, it's the seed of Jacob. Then later on, when it's talking about the kings of Israel, it comes from Judah. Then later on, when, it when it's talking about everybody who's gonna sit on the throne of Judah, it's from the line of David, and it ends up with Messiah, who comes from the line of David, through the line of Judah, through the line of Jacob, through the line of Isaac, through the outline of Abraham. And so it is the seed, the racial seed of Abraham that these promises are given to. And they also say that the Jews today have no claim because number one, they are not the spiritual seed. And so when you get to the New Testament, it talks about the spiritual seed versus the carnal seed. And you, so you have that, for example, in Romans chapter nine, and it's talking about the fact that there are people who are in Israel, but they aren't of Israel. And it's because they don't have a relationship with God. Because when you come into a relationship with God, you run into his son, Jesus Christ, who's the Messiah. Right? And so they don't have that yet. And so the promises, all the promises that God wants to give them, he can't give to them because they're not in right relationship with him. But again, what God's gonna do is turn that around. And then secondly, they say that they can't prove that they're the physical seed anyway. And you know, that's again, just nonsense. So church is not Israel in the New Testament. 
You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kennewick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.